Hi, I'm James Valentine. This is Headroom, a podcast for the amusement of all. And for some time on my daily radio show, I've enjoyed conversations with Gary Kennedy. Gary is a leading food safety auditor. Whether it's a production line making cornflakes in China, a warehouse storing salad greens in Queensland, a factory pumping out pies in an industrial park, Gary checks that what's going in is what should go in and what comes out won't kill us. Well, there was one example they were giving for traceability in England where Cornish lobsters from Cornwall demand a premium. And they've gone to the extent now that already they are testing for the radioisotopes. Because, you know, different soils in different parts of the country, different water will have different radioisotopes. So they're actually testing down to radioisotope level to test that these lobsters are from Cornwall. Gary knows everything there is to know about the production of food. And I like conversations with Gary because he's so enthusiastic about a vat full of bread dough and so eloquent on emulsifiers. Gary knows what he's talking about, which is why I think you'll find this fascinating. There was a story recently about a McDonald's burger in Iceland, which was intact and unchanged after 10 years. In the Icelandic financial crisis of 2009, Iceland's three McDonald's closed and Hjortus Marason decided he'd buy a burger on the last night and keep it. He placed it in a glass case and a decade on, there's the fries, there's the Big Mac, a little fusty, but otherwise still much as they were on the day they were bought. So that was a global viral story, but here in Australia, we're, yeah, hang on, we've got a 25-year-old burger right here. Casey Dean from Melbourne claims to be the proud owner of a 25-year-old quarter pounder, and he joins us now in Melbourne. Good morning to you, Casey. Um, it's great to have you on the show. You morning, and your guys. friend Edward uh, bought the burger back in the 90s and kept it. The, the obvious question is why? We wanted to eat it when we bought it. Uh, we were only like 14, 15 back then, and uh, Edward and I were sort of just... And a mate, Jono, uh, went to McDonald's. Being from the country, we didn't get to eat McDonald's at all. And in the like mid-'90s, there weren't very many around. Sure. Um, so we got as much as we could, couldn't eat it. Uh, Jono, uh, sitting in the middle of the back seat with the other two of us, said, hey, guys, do you want this? And we were like, we couldn't eat another thing. <laughs> and he said, I just, well, you know, as a you know, passing comment, said, I'll hold on to it. So they did, and the quarter pounder a quarter century on is still holding up. The fact that these foodstuffs seem to be immortal and are not prey to the decomposition processes that would rot another piece of bread or a slice of tomato or indeed our own human flesh makes the burger and fries seem very suspect. This is unnatural. Something wrong with this. McDonald's must spray their foods with some sort of weird petrol byproduct crossed with hairspray. It's not right, and this immortal quality suggests that perhaps we shouldn't eat them to begin with. Gary and I talked about this in some detail, and let me throw down a bit of classic clickbait. You won't believe what we found! We begin with the live to air intro. Gary Kennedy is from Correct Food Systems. He's a food technologist, expert in, in how food is made, processed, and how it needs to be made to keep us safe, to keep us from vomiting. Yes. Really, is the, the main result. <laughs> it will tend to happen. <laughs> Hello, lunchtime. <laughs> Hello, lunchtime. How are you? You'll be pleased to know that nothing's too disturbing today, but we are intrigued with the McDonald's that's been there for... Ten years. Ten years. It's yeah. Iceland, isn't it? Yeah, there's, yeah. there's yeah. a one in Adelaide that claims 25 years right. as well. How, how are they exhibiting it or keeping it? Where is it? The one in Adelaide, it was left over from a meal and someone who was interstate said, save it for me, I'll eat it next time. 
and they threw it in the back of a cupboard and forgot it was there oh. and found it decades later. Right. And in what condition was it when they pulled it out decades later? Dry, but, but still not rotten or festered or anything. Oh. So to dry it out, but it was still... A McDonald's burger, right? Recognisable. We've seen these images from Iceland, where I mm-hmm. think there's a there's a little packet of fries, there's a uh, there's burger. They look a little fusty to me. Like they, 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 I thought there was a little patch of mould on the Iceland one. I had a look at it online doing research mm. for this. It's hard to tell. It could be just what they call desiccation, which is sort of uh-huh. like in freezers, desiccation, what you'd know is freezer burn. Oh, yeah. So you can get that in foods when they start drying out, where the surface starts going powdery. So mm. it looks like mould when, right. in fact, it's just the stuff starting to break down. Yeah. Uh, full disclosure, you've done some work over I here for McDonald's. I have done work um, for McDonald's in the past, but it's McDonald's specifically named in Iceland and in Adelaide. So exactly. We'll, um, well, I suppose the first question is we look at that and go, what do they put in that? That can't be good. Yeah, everyone... Should I be eating that? Everyone says, oh, it must be whacked full of preservatives. Yeah. When, when in fact, no. Um, the main reason that doesn't go off is mm. because it's been cooked properly. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's dry. If there were bugs in it that would cause food poisoning, and I'm not saying go out and eat the Icelandic burger, mm. but it, it would be safe to eat. So would the Adelaide one. The fact that nothing's living on it means there's nothing in it that's going to make you sick. Right. But, I mean, so is the assumption that it's pumped full of preservatives to keep things from moving on That's wrong? What most, yes, it is. It's wrong. No, it's, abso- it's absolutely wrong. Right. Okay. You've got the cheeseburger. Okay. I've got rustling, see proper ones. And this, I've got the hamburger. So let's start with the, the bun, for example. I would assume that that bun is, it's, uh, you know, most people would say it's full of sugar. McDonald's buns certainly are high in sugar, and sugar's a preservative. Mm. But the main reason the bun lasts is because the bun has actually been baked properly and it's now dry. Most bread rolls do have a preservative, an anti-staling, anti-fungal, mm. and I'd be surprised if that's not in a hamburger bun. Right. Are you saying that we don't have to worry about that? All bread, all commercial bread will tend to have that in it? Yes, Right. Yeah, most of your big commercial brands. I mean, if we're shopping at a you know organic food market, we're not going to find it. Mm. But most of our big commercial brands will have a preservative in, usually yeah. something like sodium propionate, a oh. preservative in it to stop both staling but also mainly fungal and mould growth. Mm. The fact that it's also baked means most of the things that would cause it to go off have been killed in the baking process. Right. So this cheeseburger now that you've presented to me, it's, oh, it's a good, fine example of the, uh, of the product. If I left that out on the bench now, I'm assuming that it's going to attract things. That, that yeah, it will. It'll break down in some way that means the bugs get in, doesn't it? Well, one of the reasons that bread goes off is because bread is pretty dry, and it's a term known as uh, hydroscopic, meaning because it's so dry, it will draw moisture out the atmosphere. So one of the reasons that it goes mouldy, and if you notice, it goes mouldy on the outside first, not on the middle. Right. And that's because the moisture gets attracted to the outside first. Okay. And there's a term called water activity, a um, food tech term, which basically means when it gets dry enough, things can't grow. And so when it's the bread roll starts absorbing moisture, the, the water activity rises to the extent that moulds allow to grow. And mm. we have mould spores in the atmosphere everywhere. You know, mm. there are, there's mould everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Every room we're in has got mould spores. So eventually the bread roll, by sitting there open, will attract moisture out the atmosphere for just humidity in the air, and then mould spores will land on it from the atmosphere and it'll start going mouldy. Right. So the fact that it's actually wrapped 
And in both cases, both the Icelandic one and the one in Adelaide were both stored wrapped for an extensive period of time. And so that has allowed the hamburger to what they call equilibrate. So the moisture content is roughly the same throughout. Right. And being at a uniquely low level, that mould wouldn't grow. Mm. And then the packaging has provided what they call hermetic sealing. It's actually the wrap around the hamburger has actually prevented any moisture getting in, right. so there's been no mould growth. So even though that's like the, the wrap around the hamburger is is just a paper wrap, it's not sealed like plastic or... Well, it's, um, it's got two effects. Simply putting paper around it will get rid of roughly 99.9% because you're stopping bugs landing on it and you're stopping moisture going in. But these particular packaging here, both the burgers we have here, have a lining on them, which I'm not sure what that is. (laughs) And that lining, uh, mainly to stop grease from the burger going out into the wrapper, so Mm -hmm. one, it looks bad, and two, you get greasy hands. But your other aspect of it, it's also stopping moisture coming into the burger. So the burger stays dry and right. bugs are unable to grow. Right. So that's, we've covered the bread. Now yes. I'm just uh, lifting it up. It's uh, now covered in tomato sauce. There's a gherkin. Well, well tomato, tomato sauce is both acidic yep. and high in sugar. Um, and if you think about jam, that's the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the fact that it's acidic and also sugar stops mm. things growing in the tomato but sauce. But my bottle of tomato sauce or my jar of passata and tomato paste and those things, they'll all get mould on them in the cupboard. Not necessarily. Depends on how good a brand okay, you they buy. they do at my place. The really good brands um, won't. Oh, but is that because of the, the preservatives they've got in them? No, or? it's because passata, you know, the, uh, tomato sauce, if it's a good brand, it'll have uh, high sugar, it'll be quite acidic, um, it'll have a acidic pH mm. enough that things oh, shouldn't I, live. Sorry, no, I meant after it's opened. Oh, so, af- if it, so it's half opened. Your problem with after it's opened, one is a bit like the hamburger wrapper, you've broken the seal. Right. And you've allowed bugs to start landing on the top. Right. And once you've moved it around, you get what they call a microclimate. So on the very, very top layer of your passata sitting in there, you actually get water starting to separate and that water layer that's sitting just on the very top is not as acidic as the passata underneath and you start getting mold growth. Um, The gherkin, what's that? Why isn't that? It's a bit of vegetable matter. It should have rotted away, shouldn't it? Yeah, but it's also quite acidic. Um, it's got right. a it's got a really oh, low pH. It's pickled, and because it's pickled, nothing will live in that. Yeah, there are chemicals in mustard seed that are naturally antimicrobial. Right. So the mustard is also an antimicrobial mm. agent. I suppose the cheese slice that's in well, your one. The cheese slice. Yeah. You know, what what is referred to allegedly as cheese? How cheesy is that cheese? It meets the legal definition of cheese. <laughs> okay. It's, it's what they call processed cheese. Right. And a processed cheese, which is a discussion for another day on how mm. you make cheese, mm. um, processed cheese is it's all the trimmings, all the leftovers, and then they cook it up into a liquid and set it. And right. in this case, they set it as a slice. But if common brand names out there, brand names like the old Velveeta, um, oh, yeah. the, the green box, you know, the blue box with the foil wrap for yep. older listeners, yep. the ones that now in the jars, all of those are processed. Right. Uh, the ones that little, the, the sticks that you peel and the little wedges that come mm. in the boxes, mm. they're all processed cheese and they've all been baked and cooked and right. homogenised into something that nothing much will live in. So now we come to the 
Saturday meat patty. Yes. Now, I, if I leave meat out, it, it goes, you know, rancid very, very quickly. Even yeah, if le- I leave cooked meat out, if I put, you know, cooked meat in the fridge in a Tupperware, it's only got about a week before it starts to be inedible. Yes, but the this has been cooked longer and it's really thin. So this is like, it's, it's not that it's quite that, but think beef jerky. Oh. So this is so thin that the burger has actually dried out really quickly. Right. And the outside of the hamburger patty have been really cooked. They're crispy on the edge. Mm-hmm. So the bits that are still slightly soggy are the bits in the middle. But they're the bits that are in contact with the mustard and tomato sauce and pickles. This is your proof that this actually says, if you're looking at a 10-year-old McDonald's burger, and I'm assuming everything we've just described would apply to Hungry Jackson. Yeah, all the big burger chains, yeah. The processes are not markedly different, right? No, no, not not significantly. I mean, if we looked at a bigger patty, say the brand names would be the McDonald's Quarter Pounder or the Burger King Whopper, which is a thicker patty and a thicker burger, or the McDonald's Big Mac or those stacked Mm. Angus type burgers, yeah. they're far more likely to go off because they've got things like lettuce in it, which is right. wet, and there's more liquid content in it. If the in patty them. is rare at, at, at any yeah. point, yep. that'll do it as well. Yep, if yeah. the rarer the patty, so say you're cooking a rissole where the centre is mm. rare, then far more likely to go off. The thing on the, the McDonald's cheeseburger and all the other similar ones, it's so thin, everything's killed in it. Mm. The centre, which is slightly wetter, has all the sauces on that are antimicrobial <laughs> and it's so thin that it's dried out like beef jerky does, so nothing yeah. can live in it. The reaction that the fact that this thing's been sitting here for 10 years meant I shouldn't have eaten it when it was a minute old is not it's true. Probably, it's probably safer now. Probably safer now. <laughs> safer <laughs> 10 years from now. And, and let's know, the fact that it's lasted 10 years means McDonald's and Hungry Jacks have done their job properly right. because right. if they hadn't cooked it properly, there would be bugs surviving this. Right. The idea of their cooking cycles is to cook it long enough that it tastes good and it's caramelised and all of those meaty flavours, but it also means that it's going to be dry enough, nothing will live in it. Mm. Gary Kennedy's with us from Correct Food Systems there, and oh, what a mythbuster that was. Yes. Hey, that was perfect. Well done. Hi, James. What do you got, Stuart? My wife got a can of Coke to celebrate Sydney getting the Olympics, 93, mm-hmm. and it's sat in our fridge ever since. Would it still be fizzy and... I know it wouldn't go off because it's full of sugar, mm. but would it still be drinkable? So now a 26-year-old can of Coke. What do you think, uh, Gary? Yep, yep, it'd still be fizzy. Yeah. It, it, it'd still be... It, it would taste slightly different. Was it a diet one or a full-strength one? Full-strength. Oh, well, they won't change that much different. Mm. Some of the artificial sweeteners they use in some of those drinks go off fairly quickly. So if you, particularly Aspartame, so the brand names, um, Coke, No Sugar, Pepsi Max, Mm. um, if you have those and they're six months old, they'll won't taste as sweet, mm. uh, but a standard can of Coke, no, it should taste pretty much like a standard can of Coke. Because we did have that guy, I think it was with you, who claimed that he'd, he'd look for fresh Coke, that he preferred it if it was sort of just arrived in the shop. If you were a Coke connoisseur, yeah. or, or, or insert soft drink name here, yeah. One, yeah, there is a subtle difference over time. The flavour does change. Right. But is it still safe? Yes. Would you still identify it as, yeah. in this case, Coke? Yes, you would. Stuart, uh, fantastic. Nice to hear from you. Rob? Oh, it's a ripper, this one. Um, back in 1980, I was lucky enough to go to the Antarctic and I was at Mawson Station for a while and we came across this tin of Arnold biscuits and they were still in the big old square tins and we dated it to 20... It was, at then, it was 20 years old. Right. 
started being deep frozen all that time, and uh, and the custard creams were a bit dry, but they still tasted okay. <laughs> Which sort of cabin boy or lowly person got to taste the first biscuit? And did you wait twenty four hours to see what happened to him? No, I'm still here. You're still there. (laughs) (laughs) That's not surprising. Mm. Um, We've got two technologies there. We've got the actual baking process, which has ensured that the biscuit was originally safe. And we've got the freezing process. And I suppose in terms of food safety, it's the baking process that made the original Arnold's biscuits safe. Right. But... Actually putting them, of all things, in Antarctica, because it is so cold, less than minus 20 down there, the custard cream wouldn't, the fat in the biscuits, so a really fatty biscuit, like using brand names, like a Scotch finger, a Mm. really buttery biscuit, or the filling in a custard cream is quite fatty. If we were storing a biscuit in your cupboard for 20 years, they would taste awful. The fat mm. would have gone rancid and taste really bad. Right. But in fact, you can stop rancidity by freezing. Mm. So actually being in Antarctica would have meant, no, I, I think those biscuits mm. would have been, and mm. they would have tasted, yeah. as he said, they would have tasted fine. Whereas the same biscuit stored in James Valentine's back cupboard for 20 years would have tasted rancid. Pretty terrible. The things like, you know, if it's, you know, if there were tins that Scott took down to Antarctica, they'd still be fine, right? I remember there was a thing done in the bicentenary where they opened a can from a hundred years earlier, which they'd rescued from a shipwreck off <laughs> can somewhere, and they opened. They did everything. They had metallurgists and nutritionists and food techs all looking at the can. It was totally inedible. What was inside? It tasted really bad because it right. tasted like can. All oh, right. But in terms of food safety, no, it's perfectly fine. Right. It was a can of beef and vegetable soup. It mm. lasted a hundred years. Delightful. Uh, just what I'm looking for. Uh, the classic question when we were talking about passata and jams yep. and stuff, where you get a little bit of mould on the top. I think we've we've looked at this before. Can you scrape it off and use the rest of it? My recommendation is no. And the reason why, the analogy I give is like a blue bottle. And if you have a look at a blue bottle, there's a bit up the top you can see. Right. But it's the tentacles underneath that produce the poison. Mm. So similar is true of most moulds. It's actually not the bit you can see on top, which is sort of in a plant would be the stalks and leaves and flowers. Mm. It's actually the roots that produce the poison. And so the more liquid the product is, the further the roots can go. So something like a passata or a jam, those roots can go right down. It's easy to throw the half jar out. The slice of bread that's got the green mould on it, but the slice two slices down that doesn't? The one two slices down is probably okay. (laughs) And and similar, something like a hard parmesan cheese. Oh, yeah. It's probably okay just to cut the top bit off because it's so hard the roots can't go down. Now, not a doctor here, but, yes, generally the more liquid it is, the further the roots can go down and so the further the poison goes into the food. Gary Kennedy's with us. We're talking about the preservation of food. We started with burgers, but we'll move on to uh, everything else. Uh, Karen? I had a bottle of rose and elderflower cordial that I was making cocktails with last year, last summer, and I got one out, got it out again the other day to make another one when it was warm, and it had all these floaty white bits in it. And, mm. I, and I said, oh, it's all right. It's cordial. It's got all that sugar preserving it. And it just looked, and we just couldn't couldn't drink it. Couldn't do it. So we didn't. Ha- we had to have some other kind of cocktail. Did you shake it up or pour it through a strainer or something like that? <laughs> Was Karen right to be circumspect, Gary? Probably. It, if you've got floaty white bits, floaty white bits sounds more like yeast. 
right. than mould, and it's probably starting to ferment. Oh, um, <laughs> so it's probably going slightly alcohol, and that makes sense on an and something that's really sugary like yeah. a cordial base. Yeah. So you often find yeast fermenting things like um, salad dressings, you know, things like that that are quite high in sugar but mm. still liquid. But there are a couple of yeasts that aren't good for you. Um, there are a couple of that can cause food poisoning in large amounts. You're probably always best to err side of caution, right? Yeah, if you're not sure if it's safe or not, it's not. Don't Throw it, it away. In the cupboard, things like soy, olive oil, fish sauce. They'll last forever. They'll all last forever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it, light often affects these things, right? Yes, it does. Mm. Yeah, it, the flavour will change. Some of them Sorry, will... I mean when after opened as well. After open. Yeah. Yeah. Look, a lot of them will say refrigerate after opening, and the main reason is using that Passata example. When you open it, sometimes they can separate slightly, and if things land on the top, things can right. start growing. Right. But otherwise, in the cupboard, the half bottle of soy... Six months later, it's fine. Yeah, nothing lives in soy sauce. Nothing lives in soy sauce. <laughs> uh, Amanda, what, what did you do? Well, it was a big whoop. My beautiful young adult son trusted his mother in the pantry, where my adult daughter won't trust a mother in the pantry, and I gave him some cornichon in brine in an unopened jar. So baby cucumber, pickled cucumber. Oh, yeah. Unopened jar. I did see before I served them to him that they were five years past the expiry date, but... That was an unopened jar, and I put the Egyptians pickled things in brine. So how bad could it be? Mm. And it ended up at hospital with food poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> Five years past the use by date. The use by date's there for a reason, Gary. Use by date and best before date are quite distinctly different. Can I say I'm really surprised someone got food poisoning from a cornichon? Mm. Well, you know, there's baby gherkins. Yeah. Because you know they're pickled. Yeah. But I mean, she's. Assuming a sort of pickling process and, and thinking, well, she, that... She's right. The Egyptians did pickle right. things. There are pickled stuff found in tombs that oh. are, nothing's grown on them. Right. They're still in, still in the amphoras and the mm. vessels for the pharaohs. Yum. And slightly rancid and stale, like, mm. like the burgers in Adelaide and Iceland. But in terms of food safety, they're okay. But there's a, there, was a five, there was a date on it that was five yeah. years previously. If it's, yeah. Not to be ignored? Look, I'm really surprised if, if, you know, if I had more time, I'd ask mm. what else they ate around the same mm. time, particularly if they were taking them camping right. or taking them in the bush. That's a good place to always get food poisoning right. is to take food, you know, in the summer in 35 degrees for mm. two days without cooking facilities or mm. proper toilet facilities. Camping's notorious for this. Right. Um, in terms of use-by, um, if you see use-by on something, it is food safety related and you should not eat anything after the use-by date right. because use-by means food safety problem. Best before is different, and best before means one of two things. So best before either means that it's going to rot long before it's unsafe. So things like raw meat will often have best before on because mm. there's no way you can eat that foul, stinking thing. And fruit mm. and veg will often have best before because if it's, you know, wet, limp, Yep. Lettuce, you're not going to eat it. Yep. So, like best, but, but still safe. Mm. The other thing on best before, some of the dry goods, so things like flour, canned food, biscuits, mm. they'll often have best before, which in their case means you can eat it years afterwards. Might be rancid, stale, flat, and inedible, right. but it'll be safe to eat. <laughs> rancid, stale, flat, and inedible. Band name? Firm of Lawyers. Or was that a summary of my last program review? No, it wasn't. That Look, that was an excellent discussion, I thought, between me and Gary Kennedy from Correct Food Systems, and that was all put together by myself, by Jen Fleming, radio producer, and Matt Hiley. Huh? Hey. Oh, thank you. 